Welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I'm excited to discuss an off day for the Denver Nuggets. As not, not a ton happened today, but there were some rumors that came out. There were some things that I think we've got to go through. Uh, I'm going to put up the show notes for the pod on screen right now, if you're listening to this on YouTube. Uh, make sure to go give the video a like. If you are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever, give it, go give it a positive review and, and make sure to go subscribe to the pod on either or both of or all of those platforms. That would be fantastic. All right. On this podcast, you're going to go over Nuggets practice. Uh, very interested to see what the environment of the practice was going to be like following a couple of losses, following a losing road trip for Denver. How are they going to react? How are the players, coaches, everybody going to react to that situation? Second segment, we'll go over the Bones Highland rumors that continue to kind of filter out and give my general thoughts on what everybody should expect. And then third segment, we're 50 games down with this team. 32 more to go. The Nuggets have had a great first half of the season, uh, first 50 games of the season. How do they finish strong? How do they continue rounding into form? I'll give a record prediction as well for what I think is going to happen. But for now, let's focus on the practice. And I'm putting it up on screen now. Nuggets practice environment was relaxed. It was carefree. It was a lot of laughter, a lot of smiles. I I tweeted that out at practice today after taking a picture. And just I was standing near uh, at, at the end of where the media is allowed to come into, not really allowed to go much further than that. Uh and Bones Highland was on the near stanchion. Jamal Murray was there. Aaron Gordon was there. Michael Porter was there. All those guys having a good time. They're just chatting, laughing, enjoying life. And there's clearly it, – it, everything was fine. There wasn't any somber faces. I think with this Nuggets team, you've definitely heard the phrase, never get too high, never get too low. And I do think that the Nuggets continue to push that forward with the way that they – sort of approach the day-to-day. You've got a lot of players on this team that like the day-to-day activities. I think Jokic enjoys the progression that the team goes through. I think Murray loves to live in the gym. Bones loves to live in the gym. Michael Porter loves to live in the gym. You've got a lot of guys on this team that are very interested in their craft, that are very interested in getting better as basketball players, and not just the, the showy aspects of everything. So, you got to lock the gym in order to make sure to keep those guys out of it. And there's a good culture there because it means that they're always going to show up at the gym, whether things are good or things are bad. And it seems to me like Denver's in a really good place right now, despite the fact that they had a tough loss. Maybe they went to go like think it over on Sunday. And now they brought back a better, more well-rounded and happy mentality going into Monday. So we'll see what happens on this next three-game homestand, Denver's going to be home for Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, and we will just have to see what they end up doing. But we spoke to KCP. We spoke to Michael po- uh, Michael Malone today. Only spoke to one player and one coach, but KCP had a, a quote that I wanted to share, putting up on screen now, on the trade rumors and just the rumor mill that happens at around the trade deadline. Because fans are interested in that stuff. They want to know where guys are going. And so it's become popular. And guys are often seeing their names 
in these trade rumors, which I think we're going to talk about with Bones, and I think it's a salient point when talking about Bones Highland, a second-year player in the NBA. KCP on the trade rumors, quote, we have no say-so in that, so don't let it worry you. Just come out and play basketball. Shared a couple of other things, but next one here. The first time I went through it, it had me shook. And I think that it's easier said than done to just brush over the trade rumors, to know or to not know what's going to happen. When you are a, especially a role player in the league, you're not a star, you're not a, a foundational, uh, just, just like a Jokic or a Murray at this case. I think Aaron Gordon's played himself into that category too. You are always thinking about what could happen if you get dealt, if you are the guy on the team that gets moved, especially for a guy like Bones who has never known anything other than Denver. He might like it. He might like it elsewhere. He might be in a situation where he might prefer other things, but to not know and to always be in a situation where you're kind of living on edge of whether you could be moving to somebody else, somewhere else at any given time. I think that's got to be tough. I think it would be tough in my job if I was told, hey, you have to cover the Dallas Mavericks now. That would be cool. It would be pretty sweet to cover Luka Doncic. I'm not sure if I would get used to the grifting and everything that goes on there, but it would still be an enjoyable environment, just completely different than what the Nikola Jokic-led Nuggets are right now. So I do think it's going to be interesting to see how guys handle that. But KCP, a veteran in the league, he's been here for 10 years, uh, not in Denver, but just in the NBA for 10 years. And having somebody who's gone through all of those stages, I think it makes a lot of sense to be able to rely on their knowledge of the situation. KCP's a great veteran to learn from, and I hope that Bones is staying grounded and not necessarily thinking too much about what he can't control because he can't. Like it's, it's just got to worry about the things that you can control and keep playing basketball and showing up for your teammates, something else that KCP said. So I thought that was an interesting aspect of this as we get closer and closer to the trade deadline. Michael Malone also shared a good quote on the trade deadline himself. He said, quote, I think we owe it to ourselves, to our fans. Anytime you can improve your team, you have to at least look at it. I am not saying we have to go out there and make trades. Uh, he went on to then say, uh, I am trying, he wanted to make sure that everybody knew that Denver wouldn't be doing their due diligence if they weren't doing this, if they weren't looking at the trade side of things, because all teams in this case, should be trying to capitalize on their opportunity. I think if you look at the Western Conference right now, I've put up the standings a lot before. The fact is, is that every team feels like they are one or two pieces away from being able to compete with Denver. Whether that's true or not remains to be seen. We'll find that out in the playoffs. But I do think the Nuggets at this stage are not the juggernaut that a lot of teams like, would be fearful of at the top of the West. And so you think about that, and you think about the overall parity in the league, and you start realizing, okay, if opposing teams can pick at our weaknesses, the Denver Nuggets, what can we do 
to eliminate that is probably what's going through Michael Malone's head, probably going through Calvin Booth's mind. Those guys are coaching for their jobs. I think Calvin, he got an extension, so maybe not him as much. But Michael Malone, I think, might be coaching for his job, in which case he wants the Nuggets to go be aggressive. He wants the Nuggets to make the best decisions possible for the current aspect of the team. And if that means making tough decisions, I, I don't blame Michael Malone for thinking that. So I, do, I don't think he's like trying to push Bones Highland out the door or anything like that. That's not what he's saying or, or anything of that sort. But he is saying Denver would be doing a disservice to themselves, to the organization, to the fan base, if they did not push for a ring with Nikola Jokic playing the way that he is playing. So I'm not surprised. That that's the degree that and that's the direction that they're going. And it's a good, healthy stance to take. You don't want to just completely sell out. You don't want to sell your soul in order to make this happen. But you have to be smart and you have to be honest. Most importantly, you have to be honest. You cannot be looking at this through gold-colored glasses. You have to be willing to make difficult choices. And I think that's what Calvin Booth traded Monte Morris and Will Barton, he he has done that so far. He has not taken a hammer to it, but he has ironed out the edges of this roster in a way that has really helped and really put Denver into a position to succeed. So now, if you're the Nuggets, if you're Calvin Booth, if you are Michael Malone, you're hoping that that continues and you can maybe add that final piece that you really, really need. And final quote, from Michael Malone on Joel Embiid, you can tell he went out there to send a message. That message was sent loud and clear. You have to tip your cap. Michael Malone got asked a lot of questions today about the Jokic-Embiid matchup. Uh, some of those were more stats-based. Some of those were relationship-based. I am of the opinion that it is cool that Embiid is coming at Jokic and being very serious about trying to take that mantle. I think that's a good thing. I think that shows that Jokic has been at the mountaintop and is treated like a guy who has been at, a, at the mountaintop and is the best. He's been verified as that by voters, by uh, the wins, by everything, and especially by the MVP award if you're Embiid. So, I think it's a good thing that those guys have a good relationship, but are also extremely competitive. And I think that Jokic kind of folded this last time. Embiid got the better of him by a lot. But the next time that Embiid comes to, Mar comes to Denver in March, you better believe that Jokic is going to have something to say about it, that he's going to be ready for it. He's not ducking that game. He is not going to turtle up in a game like that. You've got the entire momentum of your own fan base behind you. There will be an opportunity for Jokic to really kind of set the record straight in that matchup. And he will remember what happened in the previous one. So I'm looking forward to the next time these two guys meet. Maybe it's not the last time, at least this season. Maybe they'll meet in March. Maybe they'll meet in June. That would be really cool. And I think it would, it would just be an epic series, right? That would be one where I think... Everybody in the NBA world could really get behind a Nuggets-Sixers finals. We've got two of the best at their position, going back, going head-to-head, -head, going at each other, trying to win and trying to put the center back on the map, the center position in general. 
I think that's a cool thing. And the fact that they do it in different ways and are as skilled as they are doing it that way is really cool too. Like I said, like Malone said, you got to tip your cap to Joel Embiid. You don't have to like it, but you certainly got to tip your cap. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to go over this Bones Highland trade rumor season that seems to be coming on. But first, everybody, this podcast is brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. The final drive for championship is here, and there's no better place to wager on football than Superbook Sports. Superbook features the best menu of prop bets in the business. Plus, check out their special odds, boosts, and promotions at Superbook.com. With over three decades of odds-making experience in Las Vegas, there's no better place to wager than Superbook Sports. Win some money as one lucky team wins the championship. Download the Superbook Sports app today. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back at Pickaxe and Roll. Action Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Let's now go over some of these Bones Highland trade rumors that have come out over the course of basically the weekend, basically the last four or five days. Ever since Jake Fisher over at Yahoo Sports wrote about it, it had been something that I had been, I heard some stuff in the background that this was a possibility that if they were going to do anything, that it might be this. And I'm not surprised that when Jake Fisher came out and wrote about it, that it got a lot of pub and it got a lot of continued press. Uh, and lots of people kept pushing it. Lots of people kept going for it. And it's a big deal because Bones is one of those young guys that you never really see those kinds of players in trade rumors, especially for a team like Denver. So Jake Fisher, his quote that really stands out to me in the article that he first reported Quote, in exchange for Highland, the Nuggets have expressed an interest in defensive-minded frontcourt players, sources said, and will search for a player plus a first-round pick. Now, this is something that they're going to search for. They don't necessarily have this in their back pocket. They don't necessarily they, – they're not going to necessarily get everything in something like this. When you trade somebody young – it's very rare that you sell high. You're always selling at kind of a lower or mid price because if they were so good or if their value was so high, then why aren't you keeping them? Like what's what's the deal is what a lot of these teams are going to say. And Bones Highland in all of this, I mean, he's averaging some really great numbers. Let me just pull them up here real quick to give the right background on this. Bones Highland. 12.3 points, three assists, 2.1 rebounds in just under 20 minutes a night. He is Denver's backup point guard, but more than anything, he is kind of like their eighth man in the rotation right now, their seventh or eighth man. 12.3 points, and he's shooting 40% from the field, 37.9% from three. His numbers look very similar to where they were last year. Except he's aver averaging a little bit less 
at the rim and then two-point range. Teams have really adjusted to his skill set there. That's an issue. That's something that he's going to have to figure out. The rebounding is down. The steals and blocks are basically the same. The assists are basically the same. His assist rate from year to year. Like they really are identical numbers with him going through a little bit of a slump lately. And I think Nuggets fans and and the Nuggets ownership and uh, coaching staff and organization were really hoping for more uh, from him at the backup point guard position. He has slowed down a little bit. It hasn't been as good. His isolation and his pick and roll numbers have not been where they need to be. He's been really great spotting up. He's been good in handoff situations, but for the most part, the traditional point guard stuff and the traditional switch stuff hasn't been at its best so far this season. Now, Sham Sharania of The Athletic also put out a quote there. He says, the Nuggets are in active conversations around guard Bones Highland with teams such as Minnesota expressing interest, according to sources. Now, Minnesota obviously houses Tim Connolly. They house a guy who drafted Bones Highland. And I'm sure that Tim Connolly would love to have Bones Highland in tow, where he's a he's a guy that I'm sure Tim Connolly can see replacing D'Angelo Russell in the long term. Maybe not in the short term. There's still some things that Bones has to really figure out. But in the meantime, he'd probably be their best guard off the bench. And as they figure out what to do with D'Angelo Russell, they're going to have a building block in Bones next to Anthony Edwards, potentially next to Carl Anthony Towns. That is also going to be a dynamic offensive player. Do I think that's a great fit? No. I think that you probably need better defenders. You probably need guys that are a little bit more versatile maybe than somebody like Bones. But I can understand why Tim would be interested in a reunion with Bones. I think that that's an interesting marriage where those guys, you get the vibes back together. You get somebody in Bones who can take some pressure off of Ant, but also somebody who can play without Ant and especially down the line, continue to do some good things. Now, Minnesota doesn't really have a first round pick to trade. They send all of those picks out in order to go get Rudy Gobert. So it's not something where Denver would be getting a first round pick for Bones. They'd probably be getting a player or maybe uh, they would have a three-team deal or something like that. If I'm looking at Minnesota specifically, if I'm Denver, Nas Reed is somebody that they've been rumored to want. I'm not sure that that moves the needle for me, especially if you are trading Bones. I think that the combination of Bones and Nas Reed together playing off the bench actually makes a lot of sense where Nas can roll to the rim, but he can also pop. He's also a very capable pop shooter where he's going to be a pretty consistent pick and roll, pick and pop option that Denver hasn't really had so far this year. Nas Reed's more of a fulcrum than somebody like a Zeke Naji, than somebody like a Jeff Green. And I do think, especially in the regular season, that would work. And then he cut his minutes in the playoffs as Jokic plays more. And maybe he cut Bones' minutes in the playoffs too. The problem is that if Minnesota wants Bones, there isn't as much of a reason, in my opinion, to go get Nas Reed. I think that you're going to want somebody more like a Kyle Anderson, somebody more like a Jaden McDaniels. If Jaden McDaniels was available, I don't think he is. I think that McDaniels is one of those guys that has probably played his way out of that kind of a conversation. 
But if he was available, then that'd be great. I think Denver would be very, very interested. Last thing, um, Mike Singer of the Denver Post, good friend Mike Singer, quote, ahead of next Thursday's trade deadline, the Nuggets are seeking players with two-way skills on similar cost-controlled contracts as Highland has in addition to pick compensation. The Nuggets believe they have traction on potentially acquiring a first-round pick. And to me, that gives Denver – like there was also some good other details in Mike's report where other teams were calling Denver. It wasn't just Denver trying to sell off Highland, sell off Bones to other teams. This isn't the relationship thing where that's immediately going to be an issue. Denver is at that stage right now where they can be a little bit picky. They don't necessarily have to do this because they're in first place. There's no bad relationship thing here. I think everybody might be more positive and in a better place if a move happens. However, it's not a necessary thing. So Denver isn't going to force the issue, I don't think, unless there is a deal that they like. And I think if you're Calvin Booth, you look at the way that he handled the KCP deal and you think, okay, didn't necessarily feel like he got great value for it, but KCP has turned into the perfect addition for what the Nuggets need. So I think you got to give Calvin the benefit of the doubt. If he does find a player kind of in that similar cost-controlled contract around like basically a rookie scale contract or a recently signed longer term uh, extension, then if you can find a guy like that who fits a little bit better, then it makes some sense. And so Denver's going to be looking for that. So on Twitter today, I put together a list of different players the Nuggets could go after in the trade deadline market. She will put that back up. I think that not all of these guys are available. Some of them you have heard in rumors. Some of them you have not heard in rumors. But these are some names that I would monitor in this situation. Sadiq Bey. Sadiq Bey is a forward for the Detroit Pistons. He's currently starting, but he's not necessarily... like He may not be starter quality for a championship caliber team. He might just be a bench forward. Might be a guy that would probably want a bunch of money, but I'm not necessarily sure he's the right fit for what the Detroit Pistons need in the near or far future. He's more of a role player type, and they need star talent. So if you add Bones Highland, maybe replace him with Killian Hayes in the rotation, then you've got a little bit better offense. You've got more juice on the offensive end. You add that to Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey, you've got something really going. With that second unit, uh, just even if Bones is coming off the bench and playing 30 minutes a night, feels like a guy that could really help that team. Uh, Sadiq Bey, on the other hand, would be really helpful for Denver. A versatile, smart athlete from Villanova who can shoot. Uh, not necessarily shooting the best he has in his career. Let me just check the numbers here real quick. Yeah, 33.9% from three. For Detroit, 35.6% from his career, but he's also going to get better threes in general when he's playing in Denver as opposed to playing in Detroit. So you got to factor that into the exchange rate. His free throw rate, his free throw percentage, 84% for his career. That to me says a lot better. Like He can be a good player for 
somebody, whether it's Detroit, whatever. I think Denver would probably have to add some compensation to Bones in order to get a guy like Sadiq Bey. But you're talking your sixth or seventh man off the bench. Maybe somebody who could take over at power forward or small forward in the future. Or at least is just a stable option going forward for this team. So he's somebody I would watch. Another guy, Precious Achua for the Toronto Raptors. He is somebody who is now starting for them in place of an injured Pascal Siakam, or maybe it's OG Ananobi. It's OG. And doing really, really well. He's played great. And he's a guy that wasn't playing that well at the beginning of the season, maybe has played his way out of this conversation. But in terms of long athletic players who are on cost-controlled deals, Achu is in the Zeke Naji draft. He's in the RJ Hampton draft. He's a like he has one more year on his rookie contract after this, but he's up for an extension. So maybe he's a guy that Denver could believe in to be a pick and roll threat, could be a versatile big wing, somebody who can play defense against bigs and against smalls. Uh, a lot of what Naji does in a lot of cases, but just maybe a little bit more uh, of a ball handler, spacer kind of player as opposed to just um, pick and pop, pick and roll, things like that. I do think that Achu is really good. I think that he'd be a great add to kind of fill that Jeff Green role. And Denver could definitely benefit from somebody like him. Is Toronto going to give him up? I don't know. But it would seem to me like Toronto could really use some backcourt help. Like they have so many frontcourt guys. They have no backcourt guys. Bones would be really good in their backcourt. He'd be really, really helpful. And they need spacing more than anything. And Bones will provide spacing. That's for sure. Denny Avdia and Obi Toppin are very similar 2020 draft picks, where both of those guys for Washington and New York are versatile forwards, not necessarily the best fits on their individual teams. I think Denny has been a little bit disappointing with Washington. And New York uh, has been like, Obi Toppin was one of the best things for that organization last year. This year with Julius Randle playing the way that he is, Obi's barely playing anymore. But he would be a great fit in Denver, just playing that kind of souped up Jeff Green role. Somebody who's a little bit more versatile, somebody who can play with Jokic, somebody who can be an alley-oop threat, can roll to the rim, can do a bunch of different things. And he'd be somebody that I'd be taking a look at for sure. Uh, if Bones, for example, was somebody that uh, New York was liking. I know they have Emmanuel Quickly. I know they have some other guards that they like to play. But uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they needed the offense that Bones can provide. But I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Uh, and then Avdia. Like, I, I like Avdia. I think he's a, a great Nuggets-style player who can move the ball, uh, play unselfish defense, play unselfish offense, and just do everything that the team needs for him to win. I just don't think that the Wizards are going to be interested in Bones uh, just because they traded for one Nuggets point guard, and that didn't really work out for them that well. They also traded for a shooting guard. Didn't really work out for them. Are they also going to trade for Bones? I don't think so. Josh Green with Dallas. That would be a great fit. I doubt that he's available, but he's somebody that I would be watching out for. If I were the Nuggets, uh, Josh Green played 29 minutes off the bench today 
for Dallas. So I, I doubt that he's really available. Just seems like a player that they trust, a player that they believe in. Would they believe in Bones? Could they use somebody else who's a little bit more of a offensive guy to help Luca out? Maybe. Uh, but I also kind of think that Luca and Bones would probably clash heads a little bit. It would probably not be a great fit next to each other. Isaiah Stewart, kind of in that uh, in that precious Achua mold, would be more of a center type, but a guy who's probably not on the inside of what Detroit is doing for their rebuild right now. They drafted Jalen Duran with a first round pick. They seem to like Jalen Duran a lot. I don't know if they're going to commit to Isaiah Stewart or Jalen Duran or both. It seems to me like that could be a developing Jokic-Nurkic situation where you can't really commit to two centers at the same time. Probably just commit to one. Maybe Isaiah Stewart becomes available and he could be a versatile big man that the Nuggets need as a screener, somebody to do the dirty work who could space the floor and hit some threes on occasion, but mostly is just there to screen and roll. Seems like a good option. And finally, um, Matisse Thybul. Matisse is only playing like 10 to 15 minutes a night with the Sixers right now. He's a positive. He plays really well. He has a specific niche role, but that role could be really helpful for a team like Denver, where they're trying to add as many athletic wing defenders as they possibly can. If they surround Murray and Jokic with just a bunch of those guys, then they'll be able to win. They'll be able to do their thing. Will they be able to score enough with Tybal on the floor? I don't know. Add something to maybe dissuade Denver. Also, Bones doesn't really fit in Philly. Like They have Tyrese Maxey there long-term. They have James Harden there, who they believe in, and just doesn't really make sense if those two guys are there. But if it's a three-team deal, something to think about. All right, just some names that I think make sense with and in connection to the reporting that the Nuggets are, are trying to do. I'm sure that these are some of the names that the Nuggets are going through right now. My guess is that none of the names that I mentioned are players that the Nuggets are going to be able to get realistically. So I don't think that they're going to trade Bones. I think that they're probably going to hold on to Bones. That is my prediction. It could change in a week, and the trade deadline is in 10 days. So we're just going to have to see. But for now, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to go over the final bit of the Nuggets season. We'll be right back. Final segment, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Let's wrap up the show by going over the fact that Denver is just basically through the majority of their season now. 50 games is not a small number. 50 games is a lot. And when you get to the trade deadline and then you get through uh, basically through, oh my gosh, the NBA All-Star game, Denver's got about 60 games done. And so they've got about 10 more before the end of uh, the first half of the before the All-Star break. So far on the season, Denver's played 26 home games. They've played 24 road games. And that's switch. 
where Denver had had a whole bunch of those road games. I think 13 of their first 19 games were on the road, and that percentage was even larger until Denver got back home and was consistently at home for a lot of the stretch. They just came back from a three-game road trip. But to me, it does seem like Denver's well-positioned after what they've done so far. As long as they continue uh, boning up on that home record, they're going to be fine. They're going to win a lot of games. And if they just become basically unbeatable at home, or at least it's so rare that they actually lose at home, all they got to do is go 500 on the road. And it's not crazy. Nobody's going 500 on the road right now. Just to give everybody that little bit of perspective, if I go to the standings page, and I'm just refreshing, let's count the number of teams that have a positive record on the road. Got four teams, five teams in the East. Five teams is good. And then in the West, you've got one. One. You have one team right now with a positive record on the road, and that is the Sacramento Kings. So the Denver Nuggets have the best home record right now, uh, outside of Memphis, who is 21-3 technically, so they have a, a higher percentage. But Denver is the most home wins of any team right now. So they're in a, in a situation where they just have to go 500, and they're going to be great. They're going to be a top two, top three seed guaranteed. Right now, they are five and a half games, only five and a half somehow. That's crazy. Sacramento's just doing crazy things. Five and a half games over the Sacramento Kings for the three seed. Seven and a half over the Clippers, who have moved up lately, for that four seed. So Denver's in a situation right now where as long as they win their home games, they're going to be great. They win, let's say they go 12 and three at home for the rest of the season. That puts them at uh, 46 and 19. With those other 17 road games, you go 500 in those. We'll, we'll say 9 and 8 for posterity's sake. 9 and 8, and then you get to 55 wins, I think. 55 is good enough. That'll be good enough for Denver to get at least top two. They might be the top seed in the West. They might be the top seed in the entire NBA, depending on how Boston finishes. So, going to be interesting to see. If you go over the next five games for Denver, they have four home games. January 31st, June, uh, not June, February 2nd. They've got another game on February 4th. Got a back to back on the 5th. That's Sunday after a Saturday game. And then you have a game on the 7th. Denver's going to have a lot of opportunity here against not great teams. Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum are going to play for New Orleans. That's going to happen in this next game. So that'll be a toughie. And then the, the Warriors are going to be a toughie too. But Atlanta is a 500 team. They're, they're hosting those guys at home. Minnesota is a 500 team, basically, that you are having a home and home against them. One of those games is a back-to-back, -back, so it'll be tough. But if Denver can go at least 3-2 and two during this stretch, then they're going to be just fine. I think I predicted 3-2, and two, but they might actually go 4-1. and one. I went through the overall records that the Nuggets were going to have uh, that are through all the games, excuse me, on the schedule that the Nuggets were going to play. And I predict that they're going to go 22 and 10 over the course of their next 32 games, the final 32 games of the season. They might lose some of the ones at the end, 
that I'm not really thinking about, if they've wrapped up a playoff spot, they might win some of those games when other teams are tanking. They might win when other teams are just resting all of their guys. And maybe Denver's resting guys too, but it's not going to take a lot in some of those situations to win some of those games. So just kind of depends on the team, on the situation. For the most part, they're playing Phoenix twice at the end. I think they play Golden State in one of those games. I think they play Portland, if I'm not mistaken. They also play Utah, but I doubt that Utah is going to be really competitive at that point. Um, They're going to play a lot of different teams, and some of them will be easy. Some of them will be uh, pretty reasonable, but that ending stretch in March where Denver faces Milwaukee, Philly, and New Orleans, it's going to be a really, really interesting stretch, and they go on the road for two different games in Phoenix over the course of a week. So those are going to be pretty big testers for Denver, as long as everybody's healthy, as long as everybody's trying. They honestly might be MVP caliber testers too, where you go up against a couple of MVP candidates in Giannis and Embiid. You go up against a Phoenix team that I think is going to have a run here relatively soon. They've been great, Phoenix hasn't, but they are uh, six and four in the last 10. And if I am just looking at the box score correctly here, um, did they win tonight? Yeah, they did win tonight against Toronto. So Phoenix is going to go on a run here at some point. And the, the standings that Denver's facing right now are going to be a little bit shifted based off of the trade deadline, based off of who has injuries, who doesn't have injuries. Denver, they've got to stay above it all. Their record in close games has been really good. They have been meticulous in that. And Denver's fourth quarter with Jokic has been pretty good. But more importantly, it's just them getting out to a lead pretty consistently that has helped Denver. It didn't help them this last game, but I think that they're going to get out to consistent leads going forward. And it's just something that they really excel at for whatever reason this year. So as long as they continue to put the pressure on in a lot of these games, I think they'll go at least 22-10. and 10. And I have their final win, win-loss projection at 56-26. and 26. I'm not sure how many teams are going to beat that. Like Memphis would have to go... They've played 50 games as well. They'd have to go 24 and 8 in order to match uh, 56 and 26. So if Denver can get to 56 and 26, get to 56 wins, I don't think that they're going to be challenged for that top seed. Memphis has a tougher schedule than Denver the rest of the way. If you go to Tankathon, Tankathon is a really great resource where you can look at the remaining schedule strength for all of these teams. Memphis got about an average schedule remaining, uh, 19th actually. Denver is the 22nd toughest schedule remaining, so it's actually very similar. Uh, But Denver has two games against Memphis. Memphis has two games against Denver. Those will probably be pretty interesting in deciding how Denver fares at the end of the season. Uh, Those games, I don't remember exactly when they are, but I am very interested to see what Denver's ultimate goals or what their ultimate goals games that are showcase games over the course of these next couple months in February, in March, in April. Is Denver going to get up for those games? They got up for the first half against Philly. They didn't really have anything to prove, but kind of fell apart towards the end. I think it kind of fell apart in the second half. Is that going to happen in other games? Are they going to be a little bit more low-key? Or are they going to put the pedal to the metal in a lot of different cases? 
I'm very curious. I don't know what it's going to be, but I do think that Denver's one of those teams that in their sleep is going to be pretty functional. Like they just have a lot of capability with the veterans that they have. Everybody's playing the right way right now. It's just kind of a matter of time when Denver goes on a big run. I do think the Jokic will be motivated after what was a pretty bad last game. So we will see. I'm very curious to see how it goes. But for now, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our friends at Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. I will be back tomorrow night following the Denver Nuggets game against the New Orleans Pelicans. We will see what happens in that one. I hope that Denver pulls that out in defense home court. Should be relatively simple, but it will still be a challenge. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Talk to you guys tomorrow.